Welcome to Unexpecting, a podcast brought to you by Chana, the leading fertility support organization for Jewish people in the UK. I'm Dr. Romy Shulman, the clinical lead at Chana. And I'm Shimon Schwab, a psychotherapist at Chana. Over the course of this podcast, we'll be talking to experts, couples, and religious leaders about the multi-layered challenges people face on their fertility journey. We offer practical, emotional, and financial support to those couples on the sometimes complex paths towards parenthood. Head over to chana.org.uk for more information. This episode of Unexpecting is part of Hannah's contribution to the Baby Loss Awareness Campaign and features Hannah's support worker Roxy Blumgart in conversation with Claire about her experiences of baby loss. Please do be aware that this is a personal story of stillbirth and miscarriage and may be upsetting for some people to listen to. Welcome to the Unexpecting podcast. Um, I'm Roxy Blumgart. I'm a counsellor and a support worker for Hana. Claire, thank you so much for joining me today. We've worked together for some time and uh, we're doing this, uh, this series of podcasts on different topics that we think people coming to Hana will benefit from hearing. As you know, it's Baby Loss Awareness Week coming up in October and we're very grateful that you could join us today and maybe tell us a little bit about your story. I know you've had a very difficult journey. First of all, when in 2018 you lost Pip, your daughter. Was it 38 weeks? Yeah, it was a 38 weeks. 38 weeks, yeah. And then you've also had three miscarriages. Yeah. So it's been a very... It's been a bumpy ride. Very bumpy ride, yeah. Maybe you want to just... Tell us a bit about your story. Sure. We started, we got pregnant really quickly, um, the very first time. And it kind of started the little joke. It took me a while to realise I was pregnant. And when I did, I realised it was the size of an apple pip, which started what turned out to be her name, but Pip's nickname of Pip. And it, it's an important fact for me because that was her from the beginning. She was just this little apple pip that we always spoke about. Um, And then my blood pressure started to get a bit higher towards the end of the pregnancy. But other than that, really easy pregnancy. But because my numbers never reached a level where I needed medicating, they just kind of left me to it. And I was being monitored, but nobody was that worried. And then I just stopped feeling her move. So we eventually went into the hospital and I can very clearly remember it. And actually, a side note of the woman who scanned to tell me that she had no heartbeat was actually the name that we were going to give her. So in a really terrible way, it was a bit of a coincidence. They told us we didn't have a heartbeat and then they have to call somebody else in. But I knew what a heartbeat looked like on a monitor. So before they officially said it, I could see that there was something wrong. It didn't feel right. And I always questioned, should we have gone in sooner or shouldn't we? But you don't know these things and you can't live in a kind of regret and I I can remember so clearly phoning my mum and saying to her there's no heartbeat the baby's gone and she's like okay I'm on my way and I was like no you don't understand mum there's no heartbeat like I do I'm coming to you like I'm we're coming and then I was given the choice of go home and we can induce you and you can take your time or you can stay in the hospital and I just I couldn't go home mainly because my best friend lost her baby three months earlier also a stillborn. So I knew what she went through. So I knew that if I went home, like I'd I'd still have a baby in my tummy and I wouldn't know 
what to do. So I just wanted to be at the hospital. I just wanted to start it, start the process. And it, I was just numb. Yeah, it was without a doubt, always the worst, obviously the worst day of my life, but it, I can't explain the feeling of just being so numb. And my husband, he was unbelievable and so strong. And all my, all of our siblings, everybody came and they sat outside in the courtyard and they obviously couldn't come into the hospital, but they just wanted to be close to us without interfering. And the two sets of parents were there and kind of in and out of the room. And I had to give birth and I didn't know that she was her. Um, I remember them saying she got lots of hair, but she was supposed to be called Pip. I think she was supposed to be a girl. She was meant to have that name. She's just always been Pip. The worst part of all of it is leaving the hospital without your baby. You have to deal with everything that everybody else deals with after birth. You just have to deal with everything your body goes through, you still have to deal with the fact that I, or I dealt with the fact that I carried a baby to 38 weeks. Yeah. I did a whole pregnancy and I pushed and I always heard I didn't get the prize, which is a really hard thing. And everybody around was unbelievable on another level of amazing. But I actually start, they started our terrible journey. So, after Pip, we were really lucky and we fell pregnant again about five or six months later. And actually, my sister and sister-in-law both fell pregnant. We were in three consecutive months, but unfortunately, that was my first miscarriage. And again, it came to you no know, heartbeat and a monitor. And it was lucky enough that it was early enough. It was about um, seven weeks, eight weeks. But it still comes back to there's no heartbeat. And I developed this huge thing about the heartbeat for a baby. But even not just for a baby, for my husband. Like I, even when we were having a cuddle, I couldn't listen to his heartbeat. It became almost like a trigger for me, all about the heartbeat. And I, I still to this day don't like heartbeats. I can't explain it. It's, it can just set me off if I'm not in a good way. So unfortunately, I had my first miscarriage, followed by a DNC, but under an amazing doctor. And then I uh, needed a little bit of help because my body was kind of all over the place. I got pregnant again about three months later, and I had another miscarriage. Um, and so it turned out that getting pregnant isn't our issue. Um, holding a pregnancy was starting to become a problem. And I just, we just kind of, talked about it and we were really lucky that we were in a position to look into IVF and so we went and they they were said to us you are a fertile couple that's not what your problem is you need so we looked and we do chromosome IVF where you choose healthy eggs and healthy sperms and that's how we had our first uh first child and he was born and it was it was a terrible uh, it wasn't a terrible pregnancy it was a terrible time for me but he is a total blessing. Yeah. And then we had another miscarriage after him, about three months after he was born, actually 10 weeks I got pregnant, um, had another miscarriage. And then, um, but actually six months after he was born, I was pregnant and that was our second little boy who's now 10 months old. Yeah. 
And we're trying to not be pregnant for a little while. Yeah. <laughs> Getting pregnant naturally really scares me because both of our boys are from IVF. And I don't know whether it's putting it in somebody else's hands that's helped us. I don't know if it's just the way everything was. But so many of my feelings and thoughts and worries, it all comes back to Pip and everything to do with her because the pregnancy was fine. It's always just been one of those things and I have lots of different hang-ups in a way now. But yeah, well, that's my interesting story. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, such a such a story and so much struggle and tragedy there. And obviously that, you know, would have then set the tone, um, understandably. So, you know, there's the two different types of losses that you've yeah. been through, one being, of course, the, the stillbirth and the other being the miscarriages. Tell me a little bit about, first about Pip and the stillbirth and, and like just, you know, you shared a little bit already, but maybe the, like, what was it like for you afterwards and what were the feelings that you were experiencing? One of my biggest things was my body. I was really angry with my body with what happened with in a in a really vain way with how I looked and the fact that I was different I was different inside I looked different outside and I didn't have my badge of honor you know I we went away and I just remember thinking I feel so different I look different but if I had my baby on my hip it wouldn't matter it wouldn't matter that my tummy's flabbier or my legs it wouldn't matter because this is my reason why obviously I've got a happy smiling baby but I didn't have that so I just felt like I just was different I am a different person now compared to what I was four years ago my husband he's amazing and what we went through and how he supported me but not just him the people around me were just unbelievable I don't know how I would have got through it without all of them as I said my best friend went through it we're so sarcastic with each other and somebody would do something and we would have like a laugh at how terrible it was actually was for us. I mean, it's not something we should have been laughing about, but she got it and I had that support from somebody that had been in a similar situation. Yes. And my work were amazing and I could go in kind of at my own pace, which was great. But it took me a really long time to get there and I wasn't yeah. good and I'd push myself to try certain things or I wouldn't go to other places and as I said my sister and sister-in-law both had babies and I found it so hard especially because I was supposed to be a month behind them but I had my first miscarriage and that's when I actually contacted Hannah and started everything because it was just the whole thing became too much for me I didn't go to like Friday nights or I didn't go to a tea on a Sunday or something mm. like that because I didn't want to be around the children and yeah. I had certain friends or babies that were like triggers for me and I just didn't want to be around them or we'd go and then I'd go in the car and I'd cry the whole way home yeah or we'd go and something would happen we were in we went away on holiday to New York um about five months afterwards and I actually had a panic attack in the middle of Times Square because I found big groups of people really overwhelming I developed more anxiety and things like that than I'd ever had, mm. which was a new one for me. I've normally been quite relaxed about a lot of things. 
So one of my hardest thing was just kind of understanding the new me. I liked being outside a little bit more. Yeah. I found it peaceful. Um, but we, as a couple, we we were always very happy in each other's company, but we just make each other laugh. And he made me laugh. Even in the hardest times, he had that ability. And that's what I found really amazing. And we yeah. try to kind of keep our sense of humour. So it doesn't matter if we sit at home and watch TV because somebody would do something stupid and we'd end up laughing or we just it made our marriage stronger I don't know what I would do without him yeah and I do mean it from the bottom of my heart I I don't know how I would have gotten through any of it without him yeah well that is just you know so incredible that because these these kind of situations can put a lot of stress on a marriage but you know the two of you have always been You've always said, you know, how how supportive he's been as well. And he's also had his difficult moments. Maybe, I mean, he's not here, but maybe you could tell me a little bit about what you think it was like for him or what has he expressed about? Um, There have been some really hard ones. I know that when when we buried her, he wrote the most amazing words for her and he said them. I could never have done that. I could never, ever have done what he did. He likes to go see her. So she's had three birthdays since everything happened. And only this last one have I been able to go. Uh, no, sorry. Four birthdays. Um, and I we went on the first year together. And then he did two years where he did her birthday without me because I was pregnant. So I wouldn't go to the grounds. And it must be so hard for him. Like, this isn't what we're supposed to be doing. A young couple in their 30s are meant to go to the grounds on a Sunday morning. It's not, I know he finds that hard. He finds it hard because he never, he couldn't do anything. It was out of his hands and it would be me that was having all the hormones or me that would have the bleeding after miscarriage or me that didn't feel her move. And And he's been really honest with me and said, you know, when we have had pregnancies since, he's like, he finds it really hard. He finds it hard because it puts a lot of stress and anxiety on him. And if I say, I'm not sure if the baby's moved. And he said, well, what do you want to do? And I find it hard because I am i don't want, I wish I didn't have to make those choices. Yes. I wish it wasn't on me. I wish he could take it, but he can't. And I think he wishes sometimes that he could take it for me. Yes, yes. But I think that's a male-female thing anyway. It's so much fierce on the women. And to be honest, when I was pregnant, with Charlie, I'm surprised the uh, surprised the marriage survived that because I was disgusting. <laughs> I was. I found I just was struggling. We had like a I guess he was just about a toddler, not quite a baby, not quite a toddler, um, running around, and we had and I was pregnant and with all my anxieties on top of it, and he just was amazing and yeah, it's hard for him as well with working and supporting me and with all of it yeah yeah well I mean you guys together have uh, really done um, you know an incredible job of pulling through and supporting each other and you know thank god now having your two little ones who keep you very very busy morning noon and night but yeah I can I can well imagine that for him also this this was really really Incredibly difficult in a very different way, as you yeah, say, in a very different for way. for all men and women. People would always ask how I was, and they didn't always ask how he was. And he actually noticed the people that asked how he was. He almost noticed those people more, Yeah, which was 
really nice. It's, yes. It is important. They still they still lose their child as well. It's not just the mothers. It's it's both people. Yeah. Yeah, both parents. So um, maybe a little bit, tell me a bit, a bit about the miscarriages as well. You know, what do you remember thinking or feeling as that was happening? So the first one was actually had, um, had to have a DNC so that was when I found out there's a no heartbeat with a scan and actually the second one was also a scan with no heartbeat but the third one was bleeding on its own and the, the second second and third one I didn't have a DNC for I don't want to downplay it because it's heartbreaking and it's a horrible horrible thing but for me having been through this through everything with Pip I found the first one beyond heartbreaking as well but I wasn't as attached and I hadn't felt a baby move or anything like that. You just, you find out you're pregnant and you have all these expectations. You look up what you, when you might be due or you might, you know, think, oh, well, we could have two on this age and you never mm. know what might happen. And you, you, even without trying to, you're already planning, even though you've not had a scan or you might not know what sex a baby is or you might not know what their personalities are going to be like. You could still think, oh, well, I'm going to go to this wedding and I'll be pregnant and, oh, it doesn't matter, we'll go on this holiday, but I'll be, I'll be, I can still fly, I'll be six months pregnant. So without trying to, you make a plan. Yeah. And you have a miscarriage and it just throws that whole thing into turmoil and then you get to these events and there's just that thought in the back of your head that goes, oh, I was going to be pregnant here. Or guess what, I've had another miscarriage. That was my own personal thing was... Between Pip and, and our oldest, like there was a two-year gap in the end with two miscarriages in there. It felt like everybody else was pregnant. It felt like everybody else was having this easy ride. And here was me. Why wasn't it working for us? What were we doing wrong? And I know miscarriages affect one in four people. That's a really high statistic. But I a little bit felt oh, like, why me again? Yeah. Why yes. Why us again? Did we not get our fair share before? Did we not take enough? Yeah. It felt really unfair. And to the point where I don't want to get pregnant naturally because I'm so, I just assume it will end in a miscarriage. And that's, yeah. that's such a horrible feeling because that means I'm actually now worried about being pregnant. It's not something that's even enjoyable. To be honest, for me personally, having a positive pregnancy test means nothing. Pregnancies are full of anxiety and worry and I've had a lot of bad I've I've had some beyond unbelievable because I have two boys on another level they I have so much love and happiness and that's how I can have all these conversations with you but for a really long time it just hurt it just hurt and you don't want to talk about it to everybody because you don't want to bring everybody down and you don't want to just put a dampener on everything and you go for dinner with your friends and you don't want to be like, oh, here's here's Debbie Downer again. Yeah. <laughs> She's out. Yeah. It's not my personality to sit and moan all the time. And I yeah. do like to laugh and joke. And I have this horrible story, but it doesn't define me. It, it is yeah. just a part of my story. Yes. I've kind of always tried to be like that. And I, yeah, I think there's a huge stigma around all of it. And I don't want there to be. Yeah. And miscarriages are being spoken about more, which is amazing. Um, but I wish everything was spoken about more. Yeah, I think, you know, so many people uh, that we work with uh, feel exactly the way you do. 
they you know when the miscarriage happens there's just the 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 thoughts have been as you said automatically start planning things thinking about things and then you know there's none of that and and you you're grieving what you don't have yeah. as well which is absolutely and yeah. you don't get an opportunity to some people do get an opportunity me personally with my miscarriages I've never had an opportunity really to see a heartbeat so I never got to connect with a baby and whether that's a good thing or a bad thing I don't know but I I don't I don't listen to a heartbeat on I don't want to hear them on any scans or anything I'm not interested I I want to know there's a heart beating but I don't want to see it I don't want to hear it I, I just want to know it's there so I want to just ask a little bit about how you came to Hana. So I already said my sister got pregnant in the November. My sister-in-law got pregnant in the December and I got pregnant in the January. And then I had my miscarriage and I just found with their pregnancies and myself having my miscarriage, I just, I found it really hard. And I felt like I was putting so much on my mum and my friends trying to have these conversations and I just needed more um, and I'd heard about you heard about Hannah through a few different people some people at work some people some friends and so I kind of got in touch and they were amazing I met you very quickly and I came to see you for quite a while yeah um, and I just and it was also the fact that we didn't have to always sit and talk about children and pregnancies and and you just listened and I just felt like there was never judgment I liked you instantly, which always helped for me. Yeah. I had tried, I tried counselling before and it just, it didn't work for me after PIP. I just wasn't, I don't know whether I wasn't in the right space of mind. I don't know if I just didn't, I didn't not like her, but I just didn't quite have the click. I just found it really different when I came here. Yeah, well, that's good. And, yeah. you know, for for me as well, to have worked with you through all of that was just, you know, incredible seeing the journey and, um being with you through it, like almost feeling vicariously like I was living in your world a little bit and just also in so much admiration of, you know, how you refused to give up and continued on. It's just very inspiring for me. So, yeah, you you mentioned I remember some very beautiful rituals around Pip. Um, do you want to maybe speak a little bit about some of the things we want to try and remember her and she's not she's not a secret that's always been our thing we've always been really open and honest and it was a long time of I still don't know what to say when people ask about our children so just a simple thing to start with is that we have a third Shabbat candle for her it matches our Shabbat candles and we got it in it's engraved with her name at the bottom and her birthday and when our boys are old enough to say why have we got three candles we'll tell her but our biggest one is actually a white butterfly. And that's got a whole backstory because I found after everything happened, I found it really soothing to be in the garden. It was July, so it was also hot, which helped. And as I said, my best friend lost her little boy. And she had told me a story about white feathers being that when a white feather is near, an angel is there. And so she had just told me the story. I'd hung up the phone to her. And as she told me that story, a white butterfly landed right near me in my eye line and it made me think of Pip. I didn't say anything else. And then that night I said to my mum, 
oh, it's really crazy. I explained everything, said I saw this white butterfly and it made me think of Pip. And my mum said, well, don't you know what grandma says? I was like, no. She said, white butterflies are baby angels. And it would just gave me shivers. And I was like, I felt like it was a sign. And there have been so many things to do with white butterflies since. So she is without a doubt our white butterfly. And when Neil went to work for the first time after everything happened, we had a white butterfly that stayed outside our back doors for the whole day, which is just really strange. One year on her birthday, there was a white butterfly on the TV, as in on the actual TV that was turned off, not as a picture, just on the TV, which made no sense. There's been white butterflies around where, where she's buried. It's just at the back of the grounds where it's really peaceful. It just reminds me of her. And for my friends and family, I love when we get messages. I've just seen a white butterfly and it made me think of Pip. And and I do get those messages and I absolutely love them. I love knowing that people think about her or remember her because she is still our daughter. And the last thing we've really done is both of our boys have got middle names that begin with a P. We weren't going to give our kids middle names. So they both have P middle names to honour her. Um, and if we ever have any more future children, that's what we would do the same. It's just mm. just for her and to remember her and when if. It comes out, we've just started something with Frankie that when you see a butterfly in a book, you have to give it a kiss just so that he knows. And he does. Yeah. It's a butterfly and he gives a big kiss to the book. So <laughs> yeah. just trying to do little things. I think they're too young to have this conversation now, but it will come about. Or if they touch my necklace, I tell them it's my Pip necklace just because it's a necklace I have yeah. from everything with her. I just I, We say her name and she's not a secret. And that's something that's really important to me is that she's not a secret. Yes. yes, and I think, you know, that is it's so beautiful. It's the way of keeping her memory alive and, you know, just also for you, a way of expressing grief in a very healthy way, you know, rather than locking it up and, you know, dragging it along as this big secret. It's It's out there, it's open, and actually when people share with you, yeah that they saw a white butterfly or whatever. It, it's warming for you. It's heartening for you to know that people still think of her. Yeah. The last thing I forgot to say that we actually have started doing is every year on her birthday, we um, let balloons go. So we write notes um, and attach them to balloons. And my nephew actually said I this year, he went, I really think Pip's going to like all these balloons. Oh, and I was like, yeah. I can't. And my heart yeah. just filled with so much like love for him that he would say that knowing that she's not there and like he's like I like all the, they liked all the colors the kids and this year we chose colorful balloons because why not make it fun and it's a, it becomes a family day that's fun we don't do a whole party but in my head in 5 years time if we're not all together that's fine but you might somebody might say well it's Pip's birthday we'll just we'll let it we'll buy a balloon and we'll let it go that's what i want i don't need it to be or we have to all be together i just want little things that People that love us know, um, and that's something that's really important to me. Very, very beautiful rituals. Um, I wonder if you'd agree that there doesn't seem to be enough awareness around baby loss and the trauma. You know, it's it's being more spoken about, but what is what is your opinion on that or your thoughts? I think it's a huge thing. That's, it's got the most enormous stigma. Before my best friend and then myself, I didn't, I knew, but I didn't know it would happen. 
you know, you go into a pregnancy so naive and you don't want to stand there and be doom and gloom. Um, and I feel like you've had some celebrities that have really shone a light on it. But I also don't, I just don't think it's spoken about enough, which is one of the reasons why I said yes to coming in today. And it's not, it's a little bit out of character for me because I don't, not somebody that would get up and speak about everything because I don't like the limelight. But it does need to be spoken about. And I don't know how you can talk about it more because, first of all, I, from experience, I get very emotional when I talk about her because I love her. And why wouldn't I get emotional? It was the worst day in the worst time of my life. So I find that also that hard because to talk about it, you get upset. But I think that people do need to talk about it and do need to raise awareness. There are some unbelievable charities out there. There was somebody that came to the hospital and took photos of us and Pip together. And it was all through a charity. I couldn't believe people would give up their time to help us with that. And it's something that we've still got. I've got pictures of her on my phone. I've got pictures of my hands and her feet the same way I could have that for any of my children. And I wouldn't have that without her. But nobody knows about them because nobody wants to talk about it. We're just talking about miscarriages. And I still don't think even that's discussed enough, but I don't know how much more people can do. You don't want to stand from the rooftops and scream and shout because a lot of people look away. But for people that are experiencing anything, I think there should be resources available, which is like what Hannah, like there are these some amazing things. I, I just think people need to talk about it more and just make it not a stigma. When somebody asks me how many children I have, I always pause. I always pause. I had a huge chip on my shoulder for what to call Frankie because he's not my firstborn. No one's ever asked me. No one ever says, oh, how old is your firstborn? They just say, oh, how old are your children? But I have a personal chip on my shoulder and now I call him my oldest. But, you know, somebody asks you and you you have this like feeling in the pit of your stomach because you don't want to say, I had a daughter and she was a stillborn because then they don't know what to say to you. No. And I understand they don't know what to say to you. So then you say, oh, no, they say, I'm sorry. And you say, no, no, I'm sorry. Yes, Why am I apologising? They don't need to apologise. And I don't need to apologise because it's not, nobody can fix it. It just sometimes needs to be spoken about. Yeah, I think that's the thing is that, you know, the more we speak about these things and the more people don't feel like they need to hide it away, the more, you know, we can help the mental health issues that go alongside these um, these you know because it really can it, it, it can create so much stress so much anxiety as you've experienced and actually kind of tail doves into my next question which is about those pregnancies that followed because I know that we spoke through quite yeah. a lot of it and you were very anxious at times and understandably so but tell me a little bit about that, you know, like what it was like for you being pregnant after those losses. Really, honestly, horrendous. I am a terrible pregnant person now. I love babies. I love my boys more than anything. I hate being pregnant. I didn't love being pregnant the very first time with Pip. But it was that I hate being pregnant because I feel out of control. And I'm, I mean, maybe I was a control freak before, but I don't know if I'm quite as much I don't know if I was as much of a control freak as I am now but it's 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 the second guessing it's worrying constantly it's being anxious constantly every scan 
everything like that. You just hold your breath until you're told there's a heartbeat. If you can't feel the moving, your your anxiety is on another level. With When I was pregnant with Frankie, I must have gone into the hospital about oh, seven or eight times just to be checked over. And one of my biggest things was I hated having to tell people. People would say, oh, is this your first? No, it's not my first. Can you not see it right there on my file? It, it very clearly says what it is. And I, what I had read about, which I really wish was around more, is SANS do a sticker, which you can put on files, which basically is a sticker that says, this, like, this person has had a loss, whether yes. it's a, a stillborn, whether it's a late miscarriage, whether it's a anything like that. But the sticker is there, and I just don't think something like that is used. And the amount of times they had to tell people about pip and everything that had happened and i just i didn't want to keep repeating myself or as i said i don't like hearing the heartbeat and i had to explain myself and sometimes accidentally they put a heartbeat on and then that was me a bit done or a bit under or i'd be so anxious i'd feel so sick every time or i wouldn't sleep because i'm just a ball of nerves and i think most pregnant people get a respite in the middle from feeling sick but i was just I'm just miserable, but I know what the end result is. I would be miserable again if it means another baby because what they bring cancels out all that horrendousness. And when I was pregnant with Charlie, because I already had Frankie to worry about, just didn't have as much time to be nervous or anxious. He just kind... I, I mean, I say he kind of appeared. I struggled a lot more with my anxiety, but in a different way. With Frankie, it was... I had nothing else to focus on. I was just anxious. I could go to the hospital if I didn't feel well. And often it was late at night, which I wasn't thrilled about. Yeah. <laughs> 11 o'clock at night, I'd pack us all up to the hospital. But then I didn't have that option this time because if I felt nervous, then Neil had to stay with Frankie and I'd have to go to the hospital on my own, which I just never wanted. And the hospital were unbelievable and they had an understanding. We had an agreement with them because Frankie's a COVID baby that he could, Neil could come into the hospital with me, which nobody else was allowed husbands in hospital at the time. But that wasn't an option the second time around. In order for us to do that, we had to get one of our parents to come and watch Frankie whilst we went up. And so they were very different pregnancies. And my anxiety maybe didn't go into the hospital as much for Charlie, but it came out in my temper. Yeah. And I was really moody until Neil turned around and said... You're only five months pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> We've got another four months to go. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's really nerve wracking. And I hate, I hate people's joy. I know that's so horrible to say. But like, oh, you're pregnant. Yeah. Muzzle top. Like, no, I, let's just, I just am. Just almost pretend I'm not. Yes. Because I'd rather just pretend I'm not. And that's where I like, people aren't sure what to do. And I'm still not sure what to do when people are pregnant because whilst I'm happy for you, I worry for everybody. Genuinely, I really, really worry for everybody that's pregnant. Not that I don't know, but for my people that I care about or my friends. Until there's a baby in their, in their arms, I can't be happy for you. I just worry. I worry that something could happen to everybody. And I don't like that feeling. Yeah, but yeah, no, f- understandably yeah. from you know what you've been through, Therefore, it's very, very hard to get excited about 
pregnancy and um... I'm so excited once their baby's here and actually please pass me your newborn baby I love a cuddle and a snuggle I literally love babies so much I wouldn't do the job I do if I didn't love kids and I'm really I want to meet your babies and I now I didn't want to before I had my boys because I found it really hard but I do I love babies and I'm so happy for you when your baby's here yes yes Uh, absolutely so yeah, so so the pregnancies were difficult. Yes. Um, what what would you say was helpful in like just managing anxiety a little bit? Or so coming here was yeah. really helpful. Um, you listened about everything, good, the good, the <laughs> bad, and the ugly. Before. It was mainly bad and ugly. Um, no, but like saying good. saying it, saying my deepest fears or saying my like horrible thoughts or feelings, they were great. And I just I tell I'm so close with my family that I would say things and they just kind of like okay Claire like yeah yeah. and being told like oh it won't happen again that didn't help me because do you know what I was told that the first time with Pip oh no don't be what don't be silly what happened to your friend won't happen to you and that is exactly what happened I just think never from my thing don't ever tell people yes or no like it won't happen or you're going to be fine just say stay positive or I personally found my own thing is is kind of ignore the fact that I'm pregnant. I ignored being pregnant for as long as possible. Definitely don't touch me. If anybody touched my bump, it made my skin cruel. And I think I might be wrong, but I think my mum found it hard. She's a phenomenal grandma. She's the type of person that would want to like rub your tum- rub my tummy or feel the baby kick. She does that with my sister, and she definitely did that when I was pregnant with Pip. But I know. But my mum was also in the room when I gave birth to Pip. So there's that whole other thing because I just, it was too much for us, for me personally anyway. I needed her there. I needed somebody to support Neil. So we have this like unspoken thing. And and I know that she would love to feel it all, but I just don't want to be touched. I basically didn't tell anyone we were pregnant with Frankie till it reached 20 weeks. Um, And with Charlie, it was just about... 15 16 weeks um and that's only because I was so much bigger I couldn't really keep it keep yeah. it um I, I kind of have come out of COVID with two babies which yes. I can only say like I've been really blessed but that's how I wanted it my brother jokes that I wish COVID on the world because I always used to say I want to get pregnant and just turn up at the end with a baby which is kind of what I did right exactly so sorry everyone COVID's to... my fault <laughs> Yeah, but you were able to get through two yeah. pregnancies without having to really discuss it. And that was actually perfect for you. Yeah, and then I went back to work from maternity leave pregnant and kind of just disappeared again. And now I'm getting to enjoy the boys, which is unbelievable. But it, I do know how terrible pregnancies are. Yeah. And how much yeah, I hate so, them. So, yeah. I feel like it's okay to hate them because I love what the end results are so right. much. right. Yeah. So I'll go through it again if I needed to. Like Yes. Just 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 to get that... just to have that end result was a hundred percent worth it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And I think, you know, the awareness of your feelings as well, of that like you are gonna be nervous and you are gonna be maybe um hyper whatever it is. Horrible. Horrible. <laughs> <It's> horrible. <laughs> um but it's 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 sort of, you know, knowing that that's just Please, God, going to be the temporary yeah. thing um, that you'll come out the other side of it. But yes, no, fully understand. Like everything has been has made that whole experience really difficult. Yeah. 
What would you say has been, um, you know, sometimes people might make comments uh, well-meaning, but, you know, just don't don't land well. Yeah. What, what would you say? The absolute worst if someone's... is the head tilt. Yeah. Why, why people need to tilt their head when they ask me if I'm okay. You can still ask me when your head is straight. It's, yeah. it's a personal pet peeve. We, we call it the shiver tilt. Um, <laughs> the shiver, I, the tilt. shiver tilt. It's when... And it's only coming from a good place, which is potentially what makes it me a horrible person, um, is that somebody tilts their head to ask how you are. Yeah. And you just think that, okay, I, I know it's coming from a good place, but your face and your body language, I feel your pity. So, yes. So just be normal. Yeah. So how are you doing, Claire? Yeah. You know... Yeah, we know. I, this is this has been hard. It's been hard for all of us, and and it's only for, I can't explain why it makes me feel terrible because I know it's from a good place, but just sometimes I just want to be. I wanted to feel normal when I was out and about. I wanted to be perceived as normal. That was my big thing. I everybody's different. I wanted people to treat me normally. I really appreciated my friends like meeting up with me and they were really quite good about kind of going around the kids times like I didn't they never tried to force me to see their children which was helpful the thing and I still to this day that I get really upset about is people that think that because we've now got children that it doesn't that it doesn't matter any not that it doesn't matter that 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 it's just okay now yeah and I'm not saying that we're not okay we're okay in a different way we have two boys and they're amazing. We still lost our daughter and we might never have a daughter and we're okay if that's what's supposed to happen and that's what's supposed to happen. But that doesn't change the fact that we have a daughter. We just have two boys that are earthside. That's all. One angel, two earthside. Like it, it's, I find it, that hurts me so much when people are quite blasé about it. I found it really hard when people would compare all our situations. I try never to compare my situation and what happened to us to somebody else because you don't know what somebody else went through. I don't know how traumatic somebody's miscarriage was. I don't know how somebody that's lost their baby after they've been born, I don't know how that is because I never had that. I gave birth knowing that she wasn't alive. That's what we went through. My miscarriages were early. So I never had a scan and then had some more scans and didn't have a heartbeat. I've never been through that version of things. So we're not all the same. We've all got certain things that are the same, but I don't like all being tarnished by the same brush. Everybody needs to speak about their own individual situations. And I can't assume to know that how you feel. So I found that really unhelpful when people were like, I know, I know what you've been through. And I was thinking, I don't know what you've been through. So how can you know what I've been through? But again, People and people are amazing, and it only comes from good places. Yeah, no, it's it's very um, usually well intended when when someone is trying to empathise by saying, "I know what you've been through," but as you say, no one can know what anyone else has been yeah. through. Uh, we all go through our own individual way of feeling through things. And but on the flip side of that, you when you find somebody that's been through something similar to you, you find like a bit of a kinship. Yes, as you say, you had with your friend. With my friend and then because I'm a teacher, there's some mums at school I've come across and you just you just understand each other. You just get it or you have a conversation with their child or they have a conversation with them and sometimes it's an unspoken thing and you look at it, you know, you just yeah. know. 
And, you know, when the boys go to school, I will tell them, I will tell the teachers what happened because for me, it's a huge part of our family and our family's history. And what if my boys bring it up at school? I would want every, like, I want people to know, you never know what somebody else has been through. And one of, I've taught somebody and they never knew that what we'd been through. And then the mum, she got it. She was like, ah, okay. We understood each other. Yeah, I think it, yeah. It all just depends, but um, generally, if you were to say to somebody, um, you know, what what would you say perhaps um, to support somebody who's maybe gone through this more recently or what do you think from your own experience is a helpful thing to say to somebody else? Personally, I quite liked it when people would send me a, I had a friend that would like watch a stupid film and be like, oh, I just saw this film and it made me think of you. And then it wasn't because I, if I was having a good day and I received a message that was, oh, how are you doing today? Or quite a sad message, it would pull me down and put me in a bad place. And I found that really hard when I'd work so hard sometimes to get to a, an okay place. And then but other days I'd be having a bad day and get a message and it would fit with my mood. So it's really hard to judge. So I... I would say you send them, sometimes sending a normal message really helped. It's the people that six weeks later, six months later would message like, how are you doing? Yeah. They were the ones that I really appreciated. The people that, that just never really disappeared. And there are the people that did disappear. And I understand because you don't know what to say or you don't know what to do. But the people that were there are the people that I really appreciated. And also if somebody is struggling and doesn't really reach back or doesn't really answer, I would say don't stop. Don't hound them, but don't stop because there will be a time when they need you and they will come back. Um, I definitely disappeared for a while and I really closed down my circle of people that I spoke to. I just needed to figure out how I wanted to talk to certain people. You know, lots of my friends have babies at a similar time or just different things and I just had to kind of figure out where I stood with everybody or how I wanted to kind of carry on certain friendships because I just needed to figure out how and they would still be I wouldn't I wouldn't ask about this huge part of their life which was their kids and I felt really guilty so that's why I just closed myself off so if you can not disappear on people as in the people that want to help just still send a message and it doesn't always have to be a depressing message literally just a check-in it or an emoji so far, or an emoji or just or a stupid throwback photo to yeah. be like look at us 15 years ago yeah <laughs> so young and naive and yeah. carefree which is exactly what we were 15 years ago right exactly exactly yeah. so um i think so important as you say to just like that you know that friends are are not all it doesn't always have to be heavy and it doesn't always have to be like how are you doing with the head tilt it can be like you know also I'm not gonna know about the shiver head tilt now <laughs> the shiver head tilt I'll be very aware of that next yeah. time I ask someone how they're doing <laughs> yeah so I really really appreciate how open you've been with us this evening and I think that people listening um, are really going to come away with a lot to think about And knowing that there's a lot of support out there, um, I think what you shared about how you got supported is very important to people who may have recently experienced something like you've experienced, you know, that there's Hana, there's, you know, other ways of approaching friends. There's all sorts of ways in which to get through 
there's so many different things that people can do. And even something like I said, we we go to see Pip. Um, and it makes me really sad to see all the other stones and all the other names. But it also makes me realise that we're not alone. So if people are like looking and want somebody that's been in a similar situation, like you don't have to look that far. Unfortunately, people are here and they've been through something. And personally, I just found talking about it was my most helpful thing. Um, and it also keeps her memory alive. Yes. Which is something that's really important to me. Yes, absolutely. Well, thank you so, so much. Pleasure. Thank you for listening to Unexpecting, brought to you by Hannah. If you are struggling on your fertility journey, head over to hannah.org.uk and get in touch with one of our experts or call the helpline on 0208 201 5774. With Hannah, you are not alone. If you enjoyed listening, please subscribe, rate, review and share on social media. We really hope you'll join us again soon.